0: Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Galatians chapter 6. And I'm going to read verses here in Galatians chapter 6. I don't know if uh, the projection is going to be in the back. So I recommend you to have your Bible open with me. Galatians chapter 6. Let's read verse 2. That says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is a burden? A burden is that heavy load weight that one person alone is not able to carry. A burden is that tragedy, that calamity, that circumstance that comes over some people in our church and in our churches, that the church itself is not able to support that affliction just by themselves. Right now, around the world, there are brothers and sisters, like you and I, that are being threatened, literally threatened of their, of their own lives. And sometimes, because they count their lives for nothing, because they know that a better place is waiting for them, So the threats come over their families, and about six weeks ago, one of our churches, our church in Pakistan, a very fast-growing church with more than three hundred members, start to make some, uh, start to annoy, start to really bother the the Muslim neighbor uh, neighborhood. And because of that, six or seven weeks ago, this neighborhood, the entire neighborhood, came in the middle of our service with machetes, with knives, and AK-47s. And started to point their weapons on our children. So, just put yourself in that position. You are here worshiping Jesus. Our kids are having their kids, vine kids service. And some people come here with weapons and come to our children. And the single in the house, they're ready to die. But I don't know when you have children, how you're going to behave. If you're going to just be wheeling as fast as I'm, uh, maybe you are, uh, adventurer as you you are right now. But And now they threaten us that if we keep having our service in that neighborhood, uh, they will not preserve. They will not have pity on women and children. Today I have a message for our church that I count it as an opportunity. And my goal this morning is to fill your heart with compassion, but mainly with faith. Faith because if we don't step in these waters, these bold, daring waters of generously in this outrageous generosity... We will not be able to enter in the next season of our church. So today I'm going to preach a message to help our church to raise the biggest mission offering we ever raised in this church. Give me the mission offering here. And I don't want to make pressure on you. I want to give you an opportunity. So during these following weeks, thinking about this offering, then importance of this offering, some um, memories came to my mind. In 2016, a great man of God, uh, actually, let me clarify this better. Let me introduce the story a little better. So we have amazing churches in Fort Myers, but there is no greater church in terms of size in our community, in our Southwest Florida community, then First Assemblies of God. How many of you guys ever heard about First Assembly here in Fort Myers? Let me see hands. First Assembly. There you go. Most of you guys, residents, you guys know the church. The pastor then led the church for about 30 years is Pastor Dan Batser. Dan Batser is a great man of God. He recently retired. He, after 30 years serving that church, and uh, from all the Hundreds of pastors in southwest Florida, the only one, the only one that sent condolences, condolences, condolences My accent, sorry, my condolences after my little one went to heaven was Pastor Dan Batzer. I was extremely moved for that uh, attitude. And he actually, more than that, he scheduled a talk with him. I got a little embarrassed because if he did that, he probably knew or heard about me in somehow. Probably through the principal of the school where my kids go to, which uses First Assembly's facility. Are you guys following the story still? Yeah. Okay. So I got really embarrassed because he knew something about me, but I knew nothing about his background or story. So I went to the to the bookstore, the Christian bookstore, and I, I looked for then Batzer books. And I found one that really Uh, caught my attention the name the title of the book is why some churches are blessed and the implicit question is and others not and i want to be a pastor of a very blessed church so i literally I, i i i dive in the book i read everything very fast And it was one story after another of bold steps of faith. Always, always, including one element. Generous, outrageous generosity toward missions. That's the secret of First Assembly's growth. And maybe you have no idea, but First Assembly is number 43, as the largest church in the United States. Yes, in this huge cosmopolitan area of southwest Florida, right? With millions of inhabitants. No, no, no. We are 200,000 people in, South, in Fort Myers, Cape, and Lehigh. If you count in the whole county, we're talking max 600,000 people. And we have the number 43? Like, think about Los Angeles, Chicago, Houston, Think just the state of Texas. They actually deserve to have all the 100 largest church in America. Right? But we have the number 43. Why? Why this largest, one of the largest church in the United States here, uh, besides to inspire me, that also challenged me a lot. So I came to talk with Pastor Dan Besser with this knowledge, and he repeated the same thing that he wrote in the book. The secret is that we make missions... Our first priority. So one of the stories that I read there is in 2008 when the crisis hit the real estate market and some banks in the United States. We all remember 2008. He says that the the, the committee, the board, the financial board of the church said, Look, Pastor, we can't continue giving these dollars to our missionaries. We can't. We're going to actually have to give up on some of our staff here. And maybe you're thinking on thousands of dollars, like 10000 No, let's say it's Maybe $200,000 of offerings to missions. No, no, no. First First Assembly never gives less than $5 million per year into missions endeavors. And so I was thinking on that. And he says that when that, that year hit and the, the, the board of the church came and asked him to make change the priorities, he says, you guys think if it is about taking... People out of the payroll, I I'd be the number one because we're gonna still supporting our missionaries. So it's not by chance. That is a powerful seed. Pastor, to just share a very important principle here, guys. That we everything. Say after me. Everything, everything. I have now, I had sown, I had sown. yesterday. This is a, this is a, a principle that, that regulates everything in your life. Besides only one thing. One thing is not affected by the principle of sowing and reaping. And that is your salvation. Your salvation, there were no good deeds enough that you could sow, that you could plant, that will ever give you such an amazing harvest of salvation You enjoy right now. Come on, somebody little bit of theology here. You will never reap your salvation. Sowing the best good self-righteous works. So yes we actually fulfill what Jesus said in John chapter 4 verse 37. That says one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. In other words salvation is purely a a. Fruit that we harvest, we reap because Christ had sown His own life for us. But everything else in our lives, it is influenced by this principle that we're going to dive right now in Galatians chapter six. I'm going to I'm going to connect all the dots. So keep with me. Galatians chapter six verse six says, "One we start the word." Must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, everybody repeat, say, whatever, whatever. One, whatever. One, sows, one sows, that will he, that will he also reap. In the text keeps saying, For the one who sows to his own flesh will also from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit. We will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap. If we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity. Say opportunity. As we have opportunity. My dad always said that. Opportunity is like a bald man. When he passes by you, you cannot bring him back through his hairs. (laughs) Opportunity passes and you don't get it again. It's just sometimes once in your lifetime. It's just someone that passes. It's an opportunity that shows up and that's it. You're not going to have again. As we have opportunity, let us do not do good to everyone. Keep with me. And especially, say to the brother close to you, especially to those who are of the household of faith. All right. So here I have the testimony of this great, awesome church in our city. Here I have our church being persecuted. Now, while I'm speaking about our church, Rachel, bring the the images again. So our church literally... Had to change the place. So our supervisor over there got, gathered the whole church, started to pray for a new location. We are there. We were, you know, having our service. But now we have to make the move. And, and you say, no, pastor, let's stay there by faith. No, this is dumb staying there. Like we don't need to put our families at risk for, for nothing when there are other places to rent. This family you guys see is one of our families that we literally bought their freedom. Because I don't know if you understand this, even today, this happens even here in first world context, okay? United States, Brazil, Venezuela, everywhere happens this. This, this is new type of slavery. So that family here in the back, uh, they, they were sold in slavery because they are Christians. So it means that they start to work in a place. Maybe they travel from one city to another. But when they arrive in that place, and because they were found as Christians... They got in that place and they already have a debt to pay. Have you ever heard about this kind of stories? You know, people that cross the borders and come to work with potatoes. And finally, they start to dream with the American dream. And they find out that actually they have a debt of $20,000 with the very boss that is giving them job. So now they are not actually working and receiving a wage. They're working to pay their debt. And, and they see themselves in this human trafficking experience In other words, they now are slaves in the 21st century. Have you ever heard stories like that? So this is our context there. But we keep growing. We keep advancing. The church is thriving. But here's the deal, guys. This is an opportunity that is passing by. And I want want a mighty harvest for our church. We need a mighty harvest for our church. Now, maybe you consider right now, that we already have needs, Pastor. Look, we have dreams of having our school for our kids. We also want to have more staff and pastors saying all over the United States, Look, Pastor, honestly, if we were in like normal seasons, not summer in post COVID context, this building, Pastor, is very small for us. Come on, somebody, say amen in the house. Amen. So, Pastor, it deserves a better building. I believe that, and these days are very important things, but they will be only fruits. Of mighty powerful seed we sow in times of opportunity, and today, from today on, we have a great opportunity. Now, let me clarify this to you guys because our goal—bring me this light again. Uh, our goal of mission, offering, uh, mission offering. Uh, our goal until last week was to raise five thousand dollars. So talking with the pastors and praying about and understanding uh, by the testimony of other pastors, how powerful is this seed? The Lord just starts to encourage us for greater things. So just for you guys to have an idea, last time we had a charity uh, fundraising, fund, fundraiser, a uh, charity uh, uh, thrifty store here in our church, and we raised about $2,000 that we directly donated for our orphanage in Brazil. It was a great thing, beautiful offering, made such a huge difference. And um, so we're going to have another of that charity uh, in the end of July. The last Saturday of July, if I'm not mistaken, is July the 31st. Okay, put this in your calendar. If you have something to donate, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays you can bring donations, okay? Uh, And we're going to have this fundraiser in the end of July. Um, So I'm expecting we raise about the same amount $2,000. But the Holy Spirit just convinced me this week, and I'm very, very confident of the power of this seed. I personally decided to give myself, my business, I'm going to give $3,000. So our goal is already achieved, there's no more need. Pastor Tudor came to me and said, Pastor, I'm going to give $500. So I said, $5,000, it's not a goal anymore. So today I want to challenge you for us to give $7,000 as a mission offering for directly need and opportunity that God is giving us. Come on, somebody. And I think, honestly, this $7,000 should not be something that will be Discouraged. Actually, if you are, don't worry. The word itself is going to give you faith to believe for greater things. Somebody starts to talk about that number with me. I said, My brother, look, maybe because the person was uh, uh, kind of worried how the church is going to react. I said, You know what? My desire is to give this amount every week, not once, every time in the year. I want to be able to give 7,000 every week in missions, not just once a year. Hallelujah. Thank you for the amens in the house. Because, guys, that's what God is calling us to enter. Now, if you're thinking on a new building, where is this going to come from? We need to sow mighty, powerful seeds. So let me invite you onto that journey with us. And maybe you are a pastor, but uh, I can't do this right now. So let me resource you. Would you allow me to resource you what it matters? The faith for that sowing. All right, let's dive again in Galatians chapter 6 once again. Now, like I said, everything on earth besides or um, with the exception of salvation, it's ruled by the principle of sowing and reaping. Pastor Tully was very precise in pointing out that in your marriage, the spouse you are harvesting, the spouse you're reaping right now is the... Wife and husband that you invested yesterday. Come on, somebody. Very precise, very rich, very wise, these words. Your business. The business that you are harvesting, reaping right now is the business, the time, is the hour you sown yesterday. Now, uh, to support this with you, let me go again to um, with, in Job chapter 4. Job chapter 4. Verse 8, look what it says. As I have seen those who plow iniquity, they will sow and they will, uh, sorry, they plow iniquity iniquity and sow trouble, they will reap the same. So this is the principle. The, The species, the type of seed you sow will be the following reap. Okay, So each seed is sprouts according to its kind. There's no way you're going to reap mango if you are sowing, what, strawberries, guava, like whatever you're, no, no, if you want a, a mango tree, you sow mangoes. Are you guys with me? If you want a, a, a loving, caring marriage, you sow, carry, and love, and forgiveness, and patience and long-suffering. That, that's what you sow in order to reap the same kind. Let me give you more support here. Judge not. I'm reading Luke chapter 6. And you will not be judged. Condemn not. And you will not be condemned. Forgive. And you will be forgiven. Give. Everybody say give. give. Tell to your brother. Say give. And it will be given to you. Now Jesus opened now an important principle about sowing and reaping. uh, The law of sowing and reaping. He says, you never reap. You never get back the same amount you sow. That's why he says, when you give you will be given to you but not in the same amount not in the same measure actually a good measure pressed down shaken together running over will be put into your lap for the measure you use it will be measured back to you that's the second principle you never reap as much you have sown one corn seed can generate 600 other seeds now if this principle Works for every type of seeds we sow around us. In our marriages. In our, in our uh, relationships. Much more in our finances. Much more in our finances. Now let's not lose focus here. The prophet Hosea actually he insists on this principle. He says. For they sow the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. The whirlwind. who sows little will also reap little. The one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, there is a third principle that you cannot miss here on this sowing reaping law. You will never reap at the moment you sow. Now, there is a time frame that a lot of people gives up. That's why Paul here in Galatians, in our study, insists that we should persevere. We should not give up. Don't stop sowing seeds in your life. Like, keep sowing because you never know when you're going to reap. Just keep sowing. And as you see, pay attention, guys. This is key in my life. If I could open your brain and give this advice, I'll do it right now. But this is the point. As the reaping, as the harvest increases in your life, keep seeing it as Seeds that should be increasing sowing. So I'm prospering. God is opening my, the doors in my life. Yes, I wish and I pray that you get to the point that this challenge that I just placed in your, in your lap, that I'm giving $3,000, you're going to say, Pastor, I'm going to out outgive you, my brother. And, and I'm going to say, no, 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 you won't. Because this year I'm going to give 5000 And you're going to keep this holy competition to see who is more generous. Amen. And it would be great to see a church so alive that we're going to always, always, everything the Lord trusts us, he can trust even more because he knows you're going to go from us to so many other people. So we have to understand, you always reap, you always are going to have the harvest, but never in the same time you reap. Now, let me, let me explain this because I was meditating on this aspect. Now, there are some things that come, that sprout faster than other things. For example, if you want a mango tree, it might take you years to actually start to enjoy the juice, the sweet fruit of that tree. But if you want just weeds, if you want just grass, maybe in one summer you might have grass grow even inside of your garage. Where you even didn't plant it. Now, this speaks something. That the lowest quality of things tend to spring, tend to grow faster than the good things in life. Now, let's think something else. So, when you think about a virus or a bacteria, they multiply. They just grow. If it's just a small element cell, just like this, a lower s lower uh, kind of nature, it it, it, it multiplies super fast. But if you're expecting a baby, it won't come up in less than nine months. Because it's a a more uh, complicated, it's a more complex being. If you want something good, if you want something really with high quality, just give time. And we're going to give unto you. Actually, Jesus uh, uh, says that, but let's read Psalm 126. That says in verse 6, he who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Give me, James, one of the last verses of the message. James, Apostle James tells us, go there. All right, there go. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Say amen, everybody. So be patient. But the fruit will come. Now, uh, Paul insists here in Galatians chapter 6 because I don't want to deviate our study as I challenge you with this. Look what he says in verse 6 again. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. So Paul is saying that uh, if there is a place you should always think on sowing, it is in the place where you receive spiritual food. Okay? In the place that you are spiritually cared, taken care by. So it's very important that you never see whenever I come to you and ask for money as some form of. Um, a scammer. I'm just trying to deceive you and using the Bible to convince you. In our church, speaking about money should never be that that uncomfortable, uncomfortable subject. It should be actually just part of our conversation. Like uh, w- w- I know we have needs and I am the only one that can be this spokesman about th- those needs. And actually Paul is clear. it is expected that if you're receiving anything from this house, You invest back in this house, financially speaking. Let me hear a good amen in the house. Now, the problem is how you see the wisdom you receive here. In other words, you come to a powerful service like that, receive the word of God, the word of grace, and now you come back home relaxed, filled with joy, and now your wife is enjoying this confident husband, and you take it for granted, not realizing that all that joy, peace, harmony willing or not, is the seed you had received from the service, from a a, a word, from a message, from a worship experience that people pray about, that people fasted about, that people prepare during the whole week to give unto you. And now, because you don't consider that as a rich, as a riches, as as something rich, as something, as a treasure, you take it for granted. You actually don't value that experience. Some, even... Thing that we are under obligation to give something in the service. Actually, this week, a couple came to visit us wondering if Vine church will be their church. They are believers. So, I'm like with people that are believers just shopping churches, I have this tendency. I'm sorry if it was their case. It's not. Not I want to be rude, but he, the, the couple was looking for reasons to make Vine Church their church as Christians. And I said, look, I don't know uh, your motivations, but before we start our conversation, I want to give you three reasons why Vine Church is not your church. And literally, I tried to dissuade them because they came with that expectation of customer. Right? I, I, I just want to consume something here. And let's see if you guys have a good service for me. And maybe one day I may pay you guys some tip. I don't need your tip. The Lord doesn't need your tip. Like, uh, but if you understand when you come here and what you had received from our church, from the teaching you are receiving here, is enriching you. Now you understand that it is a good soil to sow. All right, let me clarify this better because, again, I don't want to sound rude. But this is what Apostle Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. If we have sown... I need this verse. 1 Corinthians nine, eleven. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if you reap material things from you? Now let me let me clarify again. You, you, if if you got uncomfortable with this challenge when I speak about money, and I might be bene, I, I might be benefited, I might be the beneficiary of that giving of you of you. Not today, because today we're just. Raising everything for our mission, for our missions. But would that bother you? The fact that I'm being blessed, I'm I'm reaping material things from you. Probably is because you don't consider wisdom as a treasure, as a valuable thing. Look what the wise Solomon says. He says in Proverbs sixteen sixteen, how much better to get wisdom than gold. Wow. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Now, and that's a problem of many people. It's because they devalue, they undervalue, the word you're looking for. Wisdom. They, they, they really don't consider it as treasure, as rich, as gold. And I'm going to tell you one other secret of mine. I don't save money. When it is to find wisdom, I travel if necessary to cross the the world to have two hours of a wise man speaking to my life. I did that a couple of times, and I'm willing to do it again. Because I know how precious it is, wisdom. People that complain about, oh, pastor, come on, our courses take so long. Pastor, sometimes the word is, is taking so long, it's because you don't value wisdom. It's because you're belittling wisdom. It is not a treasure for you. But once you take it as important, as as a key element for your success, for your victory, you have no problem at all to invest back where you have received. All right. Let me close my message because Paul uses this, this comparison of spiritual opportunity and financial investment. And that's how I want to close Our message. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 7. After shaking you. and, and, And showing you. What we are involved with. I want to close with these verses. Each one. Must give. As he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly. Or under compulsion. For God. Loves. A cheerful giver. So I believe. We have a great opportunity right now, guys. I believe we we are the threshold of a breakthrough in our financial life, in your financial life. As a church, I know that we are not going to move forward uh, in acquiring a better facility, in reaching out more people in our community. If you don't thrive in your finances, if you don't prosper in your business, in your financial life. So I pray for your finances. The ultimate goal, in that it's not for us, it's very important, guys. Ultimately, you don't give to our church, you just give through our church. And that's what I'm inviting you, to be part of this moment. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let's always stand up. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good. Tell this to your husband. Tell this to your wife. Say, I'm not going to grow weary. Tell her, tell him to do good for you. It's important we, we make this this vow to our Husbands and wife. Look, I'm not gonna give up on you. You you are the the best soil I could ever s- sow my life into. The text keeps saying, for in due season we will reap. There is a due season, there is a time that the harvest will come. I need a mighty great harvest. In our church. In this new season ahead of us. And and I know that to get there, my, my seeds need to be planted and sown right now. Verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray for our brothers. In Pakistan. In Tajikistan. Before I pray for them. Let me read to you guys this. This message. That our supervisor Christopher. Sent. Um, I put it here in my watch. So I can read for you guys precisely. He says. I don't want a martyrs. And one of my brothers and sisters alive. One of my greatest fears is to lose one of our native workers. People that I baptize myself, some of them I marry and saw their children growing. But sadly, I also have seen them threatened with death constantly. They were evicted from their houses, humiliated from the places that they should simply have the freedom to worship and call church. Some have been threatened to be burned alive. Others are constantly mistreated because of their faith. Renting a house for for those families is almost impossible. What a Muslim will rent a house for a pastor or a believer? Yes, I don't want martyrs. I want a, our churches to be alive. Brothers serving the Lord. I want, them, I want to see them alive, raising their own children. I want to see them at peace, safe. Is that too much, you ask? My heart flutters and shakes every time I get a phone call from one of them, because I fear the worst. Countless pastors in Pakistan have died in terrorist attack. I've lost count of how many preachers have been beaten to death in public, in the streets. I ask you to pray. Pray for them. Please pray. Prayer closes the lion's mouth. Prayer makes our works workers invisible in villages, in towns. Pray for your brothers, pray for your family, a family that is being threatened all the time. Just put yourself in their shoes. Pray for our workers in Bangladesh. pray for our needs in Nepal, We need prayer in Pakistan and Tajikistan. Pray because these are true heroes of faith. Pray because I don't want martyrs. I want my brothers and sisters alive and serving the Lord.